Creative Conundrums is recorded in Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Hi, and welcome to Creative Conundrums. I'm Googly Doc. And I'm Senpai. We're here to talk about our struggles and triumphs as creatives. And answer creative questions asked by you, our loving and sometimes bizarre podcast family. If you have any questions for future shows, send them to creativeconundrums at outlook.com. Hello, everybody. It is the incredible, incomparable, and the incomprehensible Googly Duck. <laughs> and, and I'm a very confused pumpkin zempai. I'm going with that. I don't suck your blood. Blah, blah. I did not know we were going Transylvanian for this, so I did not prep that that accent. I, you just, you gotta, you gotta understand that I break into whatever voices said are at hand <laughs> at any given time. I do this on regular episodes. That that's true. You don't usually do the intro in them, though. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's what threw me off. Anyways, welcome to our Halloween spooktacular number two. Number two. We should not call it number two. <laughs> yes, we should. Fuck. <laughs> number two. Damn it. Yeah, we're going to call this number two. Oh, Kronk, you're so silly. I'm so mad at myself right now. It's fine. It's fine. We're gonna we're gonna push through this. We'll be fine. Uh huh. Okay. So <laughs> last year we <laughs> talked two. God damn it. Okay, so last year <laughs> we talked about Twin Peaks. Yes, we did. Uh, because I was like, oh, I want to watch it, and then you were like, oh, let's talk about it for a Halloween episode. I'm like, oh, that's actually a great idea. So we did that. This year, however, it was my turn. Now, y'all know, y'all probably have figured out, I'm not a huge horror movie fan. I, like, I, re I really don't like it. There's the odd thing that kind of piques my interest a little bit every every now and again. But I, aside from that, I'm not a fan of horror movies, for the most part. I just don't really like being scared. It's fine. It's, it's whatever. I do love Halloween, though. Like, I love, you know, like, Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, I like the kind of cutesy kind of horror-esque stuff, so yeah. But this year, I got Doc to watch a movie called Pontypool. Yes, indeed. And? I loved it. I'm just gonna say that right off the hot. I loved it. It was great. Um, for a number of different reasons. And it, it hit a lot of a lot of the right spots for me in mm -hmm. terms of uh, horror movies and zombie movies. And I'm a horror movie fan, especially a zombie movie fan, and this one hit everything. And I mean, you kind of give away the twist of the movie. Which? What? Okay, so I'm going to tell you how I got into this movie. I used, okay. to have, I used to have cable. Surprisingly, somebody who used to work at the cable company had cable. What? Anyways. Um... <laughs> Part of having cable was I had the movie channel, so uh, I I had um, it was actually on Movie Central like a long time ago, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a weird title, Pontypool. Let's throw that on. And I turned it on, and I'm like, oh, this movie's great. 
And then I looked it up. This movie is Canadian. Everything that I've ever found that's Canadian has always been phenomenal. Pontypool, yep. Being Erica, uh, th- like those are like my two absolute favorites. Um, Kim's Convenience is also amazing. Um, is my it Winona Earp also? It's like 50-50 about. Like oh. it's 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 filmed in, in Alberta and it's it's got a huge Canadian cast as well. Orphan Black is Canadian. Yep. Uh, and uh, she's actually also on Being Erica as well as um, a few other Letter things Kenny. too. Letter Kenny. She's Ma- my- <laughs> Mrs. McMurray. Mrs. McMurray is my crush. I'm sorry. I adore her. I, I really do. Um, Orphan Black is Can- is largely Canadian as well. Um, my Awkward Sexual Adventure, I think, is one of my favorite movies ever. And it starts in Winnipeg. Cube. Cube. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Cube is Canadian. I forgot yep. about that one. I always forget about that one. Because, that that, again, that one's a horror movie. And I don't really like horror. But yep. Pontypool was, like, really cool. Um, and so it's, like, this, like, radio... Like, it's about these people that work in a radio station. And they're yeah. trying to read the news. And it's, like, super fucking rural town, Ontario. And something's going on. And they're trying to figure out what it is. And it, it does end up being a zombie movie at the end. Which, like, the way they did that was so cool, right? Like, Oh, my God. Like, it hits all of the proper... St- okay, imagine a movie that's a good movie with... You're, and, and you're watching it because it's on the screen mm-hmm. but it hits all of the really amazing spots in like a, a radio play oh yeah it, it hits all of the all of the really cool stuff and all the cool feelings that you get from a radio play but it's a movie yep so it hits all those those beats as well and it's just oh it's it just it's one of those movies that you like to roll around in your mouth and savor and it's you know, also, it's, like, mostly told in, like, what, like, two rooms, basically, for the most part. Yeah, exactly. And it's fantastic. All of the actors did, a, did an amazing job. Yeah. Also, um, he, I can't remember their actor's name, the, the man who plays Grant Mazzi, he's also in Orphan Black a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he does phenomenal in that as well. Yeah. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, Grant Mazzi, oh my god. <laughs> I got so oh, excited. Yeah. And th- there was there was parts of that movie that really gave me the chills. Oh yeah, and it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, I watched it again today just so I was like fresh again because it's it, it had been a while since I watched it. And I, I it's it's such a great movie. Did you have any complaints about it? I had kind of forgotten about this part, but there's a point where there's some uh, some blackface in there. Oh, but that was supposed that was supposed to be depicted as wrong because remember oh, yeah. those people were asshole racists oh absolutely but it was like they, they did like a production of Lawrence of Arabia basically and so I had totally forgotten about that part of the movie um but yeah there was uh yeah they they, <laughs> they put that in there to pointedly say this yep. behavior is wrong yeah and even he's like what the fuck <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. um that that's probably my. I think that's my only really big complaint was that. Um, well, they they open. They had the main character openly call them out as racists. Yep. So. 
They, they he did, and, and, it, and it's great. Yep. And, and I like, I, I appreciated that fact, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I totally forgot that was in there. <laughs> yeah, whenever you uh, see it, it, even in that context, it's still kind of awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the and I, uh, I don't know. I think that's it for me for complaints. What do you did you have any complaints? Uh, I don't want to give away anything. Uh, there was something that bugged me. Uh, but if I mention anything, it's going to spoil the movie, and I don't want to do that. Is it like how it's passed? Something. It's something. Uh, it's something with how the uh, zombie plague is communicated communicated okay. to from one host to another. That that's what I thought might be your yeah. complaint on it. I thought it was really yeah, neat the I, way they did that, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. So do I, but I've got, I've got a background in psychology, so there was some start, there was some stuff I had to shut off in my brain while watching it. Actually, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We definitely gave away like all of Twin Peaks. Oh, did we? Oh, that was twenty five years old, though. Well, yeah, but we also got into the third season, which was only like a few years ago. This movie's from oh. two thousand eight. Oh, yeah, okay. And I've been telling people that we're going to be talking about this movie for a little bit. So I think we can spoil it. Okay. I actually really liked how the virus kind of transmitted to other people. So did I. So did I. I did, too. What I didn't like was was the cure. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, that that, that was a little hokey, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The way the way they cured it was hokey as fuck. I I didn't like it. Okay. But I loved so, I loved how the 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 virus was was communicated through a corruption in the language. I like that it was specifically English too. And then like the French military comes in and they're like, "Don't translate this." And they're like, "Oh wait, fuck, we just translated it." Yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> no. like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Yep, I like I, the one of the things that I also kind of like is that, uh, I, and I, this might seem a little bit weird coming from me as city slicker, but like a lot of the town's dirty laundry kind of comes out in this entire movie. Yes, yep. <laughs> and it's like it's like yeah it's that it's it's definitely got that that kind of feel to it which like i mean i know as an outsider from seeing it kind of sort of not a whole lot <laughs> but like what what was your favorite part of the movie the very fa- very favorite i think the oh shit what's her name the younger girl who who had spent time in afghanistan yes yeah uh when when she becomes a zombie and she can't find a, a another like a victim to kill, essentially, right? That was really cool and yeah. so gruesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I I I think that one was definitely my favorite. I th- yeah, that was my favorite part. Um, also having the doctor. So early on in the in the movie. There's this, like, protest going on outside of this doctor's office who has been, like, over-prescribing medication. Yep. And then they, like, explode his building? I don't know if they exploded it or just, like, knocked it over. I don't exactly remember exactly how, what happened. Because it, it seemed like it wasn't entirely sure from the news staff, like, 
what exactly had happened. But yep. he, he ends up getting over to the radio station and coming in. And, he, and they're like, oh, okay, you're here. And they're like, okay. Yeah, that, that part was really interesting, too. What was your favorite uh, part? My favorite part's Ty. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's reading the obituaries. Hmm. And as he's reading the obituaries, you're you're it's the first time in any zombie movie where just the impact on the community and the families within that community is really spelled out. That's true, actually. I don't think that's done in any other movie since then either. No, no, that's the only time I've ever seen that done. And I it just it just blew me away. I'm going, oh my god. Like, he's just... This part of the movie where he's reading the obituaries and not only the people that died, but how they died. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, and, it, and, it... Like, he was... Yeah. Oh, it was, it was like, heart-wrenching. Yeah. I will say, it's, it's not, like, specifically saying, like, that, like, you know, whatever the, the act they did, but it's, like, saying, like, oh, this person was taken... Uh, out of her life in this year of her life by her husband who was pre which, who was taken out by this th- like it it's yeah. not the act that happens that killed them that's kind of showcased in the obituary it's just that they were killed by this person who was killed by this person who was killed by this like and then and this person the, ended the, up dying the entire ending of of families mm-hmm. and it's just heart wrenching. It is. And it really is. The other part was uh, that one journalist uh, who sits in his car at the top of a hill. Oh yeah. He he's kind of he starts off as a almost like a pathetic character. Well, he kind of he I I disagree with that. He starts well, off as like this kind of heroic character because it's it's basically he's like he's up in the sunshine chopper. Right. Except he's that he's the- not in a helicopter. He's out in his car on the top of a hill. Right, exactly. And, shit. It's, he's reporting on this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's so brave. Yes. And when he's reporting on this stuff, you can tell he's terrified. But he's still doing it anyway. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I came to admire this guy. And when he succumbs to the infection it was it was like a gut punch because he they they listened to him succumbing to the disease yep while talking to him and while he's reporting and that's the second time they see it too because the other girl that happened right in front of them too right exactly but this guy who was there in the middle of everything and he starts off comical and almost pathetic, and then he becomes something else. And he, he's he's a hero, and you're going, this guy is something else. I was wrong about this guy. And then you lose him. And, and the way that you lose him is just, it's heartbreaking. It really okay. is. Okay. Now I have a question for you. Yeah. Because right after he dies, another character says something. How did that feel for you? Another and character says something. Sydney specifically said something. Right. 
Uh, It's a really terrible obituary, I will say that much, but... (laughs) Um, uh, When when that character lets us know that, it's yet another completely 180 about face. And I don't know, it's like, were they treating him like that because he really was what she said he was or was it because he was just kind of a loser and, and it was a small town and they painted him like that oh yeah that's a good question I don't, right I don't so was, was he just weird and maybe maybe autistic because there was definitely some there's there's always that person in town who who might have autism right mm-hmm. who everybody treats like they're they don't treat them very well yeah, right? that's true. Is that this case where the, the accusation is based on some kind of rumor that's based on his weird behaviors because he's autistic? Which, you know, I've, I've seen that kind of thing happen. Mm-hmm. Or is it actual, in which case, you know, like your total opinion of this character is totally spun around, right? Like mm-hmm. he starts off as a pathetic, funny, you know, like, oh man, what a loser type guy. Then being a hero then you're sad and then you're going why am i sad and i don't know it's it's a roller coaster this whole movie is a freaking roller coaster it's just back and forth back and forth loop to loops is crazy cuz i remember i remember thinking that too about that character and then and then the like essentially like really terrible obituary happened yeah. and i'm like oh that's okay yeah interesting uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that it, it's such a good movie like it's it's such a good kind of small town movie yeah it is i feel Absolutely. a little weird saying that as like a city slicker but like i like i've i've witnessed small town life like i've i've, I've seen it i've been around it kind of thing i've never really been part of it but like that's kind of how things go in small town yep absolutely I've been in a small town for, oh, Jesus, 15 years now. That's crazy. That sounds about right. Yeah, since the year Duncan was born. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we moved out there shortly before he was born. Nice. But yeah, the, the, this, this is a great movie. Like, I don't know what it is about Canadian movies and, like, just Canadian stuff in general. We are so fucking weird, but we are also so fucking awesome. <laughs> Yep. Like, I love Kim's Convenience. I will say yep. that. And, like, being Erica is really, really cool. It's, like, time-traveling therapy. Like, it's it's so neat. Uh, Winona Earp is really weird and cool. Cube um, is a classic. Yeah, Orphan Black. I mean, I can't say enough about Orphan Black. I love Orphan Black. And I'm so excited for Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk. Oh. <laughs> and, like... And, like, I don't know. what I don't know what it is about Canadian stuff. Like, everything that I've ever found that's Canadian is always just so random and so weird and so awesome. Letterkenny, Schitt's Creek. Letterkenny. Sh- that's right, Schitt's Creek is Canadian, too. Uh, Corner Gas. I know a lot of people who don't like Corner Gas. Which yeah. I find that a little strange. Okay, I like it, but I also have a, an uncle who kind of sounds like Oscar sometimes. Oh, okay. So... Yeah. Like, <laughs> Trailer Park Boys is also Canadian. I know that's that's also really too. weird. I didn't like Trailer Park Boys, but that's I don't know. I, mean, I like Bubble. 
Did I ever tell you about the time? My dad came to my work. I was working as a cashier at a drugstore. And he came to my work and he's wearing these glasses. Um, he had like special like safety glasses that he had stuff on the sides oh, for. Fuck. And he, 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 I looked up and I swear, I thought I was looking at my dad as bubbles. <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, dad, your, bubble, your glasses make you look like bubbles. <laughs> 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 yeah that yeah that was a long time ago My, yeah <laughs> i think that's about all we can say about about pontypool go watch it y'all go find it i don't even know where it's available right now yeah yeah that's true that's true I, it it was a great movie and uh i highly recommend it i'm glad i got you into it, it it's it's fantastic and i plan to watch that uh as a regular thing on during my Halloween fest, yeah. From now on, it's going to be a yearly thing for me. I'm I'm so glad I could add to that. That's really cool. Yep, it's fantastic. Love it. Also, the fact that I added to that as somebody who doesn't really like horror movies is mm-hmm. a little strange. Yep, it was a it was a damn good pick. Because well, I love zombie movies, and and you know what? People said this isn't a zombie movie. It, of course, it is. It is and it isn't. It is. It isn't well, in that it's not a bitey that's how it spreads zombie movie. i heard one person say is it's kind of a pedant pedantic like zombies are like they dead and rise again otherwise it's not a zombie really 28 days later wasn't a fucking zombie movie are you serious no i still it's a zombie movie i still haven't watched 28 days later what's that i still haven't watched that movie you haven't no have do you have it I think so. I haven't meaning to watch it for years, and I just... it, it yeah. It's worth it. Okay. And then watch 28 weeks later after that, because it's also good. Okay. It might happen. It might not happen. Yeah. It, it's good. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to close out the episode by reading some stuff. Um, as you all know, again, as a not-a-horror fan... <laughs> <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. I'm also not a horror writer. So I found a story online um, that I'm going to be reading. It's uh, The Princess. Ba- yeah, that's that's the main title that I really found for this was The Princess. So I'm going to re- be reading parts from that. Um, I actually contacted the author and got their permission to do it. So I'm super excited to be able to do that. Uh, it. I, I read like two different parts of it before I messaged the author and was like, hey, can I read this for my podcast? This is super awesome. <laughs> and they're like, yes, go for it. I'm like, sweet. Uh, and it's it's delightfully creepy. Um, and Very then, cool. And then, Doc, what are you reading? I wrote uh, wrote down an experience of mine uh, way back when I was, I was a younger man. Uh, I wrote it I experienced something and I wrote it down in my journal uh, as if it had happened to somebody during the late Victorian age. Hmm. And uh, it's called Vale of the Valley. And last year's story from Doc was like really fucking cool. So like, I'm super excited for this. <laughs> I think you're going to like it. I'm excited. All right, so we're going to close out the episode with that. Thank you all so much for joining us this year again for our Halloween spooktacular number two. Enjoy the stories.
<laughs> I hate myself for accidentally naming it that. <laughs> So this is a story by Alex Lemley, uh, aka Rocket Lex, on both Tumblr and on Twitter. Uh, it is called The Princess, and here's part one, The Girl. I think we're all familiar with a game called Ocarina of Time. It was one of the most celebrated, beloved, and just plain good games of its time. Everyone was playing it. Every video game news outlet was talking about it. One of my first experiences online was joining a message board for an Ocarina of Time fan site. It was a game tons of gamers know inside and out, and if there's one downside to knowing the game inside and out, it's that there can be no more surprises. As a matter of fact, there can always be surprises. In a situation I imagine is familiar to most of you, I was 13 years old, alone in my living room, playing Ocarina of Time. I'd beaten it. I'd caught the Skulltulas. I think I was missing a heart piece, but eh. Who has time to call up game facts when there's zombies to mow down on your horse? Just a peaceful night of skeleton smashing, and that's when I saw... It? It was something that wasn't there before. No, something that was never there before. In the middle of the field, plain as day, an NPC I'd never seen in the game. Just standing there. Not moving. I was certainly surprised. Could it be? No, there's no way. That doesn't make sense. There's never anyone out here. Of course, Ocarina of Time was still new enough that there was still the off chance that this was an in-game event. I did have the game nearly 100%ed. Maybe I'd unlock something no one else knew about. Or... No, maybe it's just the postman. It can't be, though. It's not moving. It's kind of... Floating? This was the point at which I should have shut off the game. But, of course, I had to investigate. If this was some never-before-seen game event, I had to go check it out. My excitement was tempered as I drew close to it, this person. With every stride of my horse, it became increasingly clear that something was wrong. The NPC was a girl with red hair and a white dress suspended slightly off the ground. She was completely motionless, not even her hair or clothes idly animated in the breeze. Her feet were together, standing on nothing, and her arms were stretched far out to her sides. Of course, this image immediately called crucifixion to my young mind, which was somewhat unsettling. This was not helped by the fact that, on closer inspection, this girl had no face. She had a little polygon for a nose, but no face texture. In fact, her white dress looked more untextured than intentionally white. The more I looked at her, the more she just looked unfinished. The polygons on the back of her legs were missing, allowing me to see right through them. Attempts to talk to or interact with her were fruitless. Link and all the other objects just clipped through. At this point, I had come to the conclusion that this was just some bit of beta information the game had loaded up. I was big into digging up cool beta stuff from games, so this all started making sense for me. The game had spawned an unfinished NPC, probably in place of the postman, no big deal. This would have been another good point to shut off the game. I kept playing. Exiting and re-entering the Hyrule field, the girl was no longer there. I was already writing in my head the post I was going to make about this on the Ocarina of Time fan site board. 
This was the age when it was kind of thrilling to see a game goof like that, rather than just an annoyance. As the sun rose and the zombies fell away, I rode off to find more adventure. Dinner time was still hours away. But as I continued to play, the game started to change on me. The first thing I noticed was loading. N64 games traditionally had no loading, but suddenly the game was getting hung up on transitions between areas way more than normal. Not long by today's standards, but a 5 second wait on the N64 felt like an eternity. Secondly, when an area would load, the music wouldn't load with it. There would be a period of silence, and then the music would kick in. It wasn't always the right music either. The Hyrule Overworld was the most frequent to start playing, no matter where I was. The Gerudo Fortress theme also came up a lot. Notably, whenever I went inside a house or shop, there would be no music. At this point, it still just seemed like I was experiencing some kind of ROM glitch. That changed when I decided to check out what music would play at Kokiri Village. The answer was none. No music played when I entered, and no music started no matter how long I waited. No ambient sounds either. That wasn't it, though. Something else was wrong. There was no sound. But there was also no movement. All the Kokiri on closer inspection were stuck in the same arms-out pose as that mystery NPC. They didn't move or turn to look at me or anything. They just stared straight ahead, arms out. I couldn't even talk to them. The speak prompt appeared, but pressing it didn't do anything. Rather strangely, though, they were all positioned roughly where they would be normally. The direction they faced was sometimes off. Some Kokiri intently staring at a wall or turned in such a way that their arms clipped through the side of a cliff. It took a little time for me to register. The reason for this was that they were all facing a single location. That mystery NPC was back. She was hovering a little off the ground in front of Link's house. Every Kokiri was staring at her. This time she was different. She looked the same, but now the moment I got near her, Navi started hovering around her, indicating that she was a real NPC. Trying to just walk up and talk to her didn't work. The moment Link would get near her, he took damage and flew backwards. However, this being Ocarina of Time, I decided to try Zed targeting and talking to her from a few feet away. Immediately, my frame rate dropped to single digits, and the sound effects went all choppy. In addition to the opening a dialogue box sound, a bunch of other weird sound effects seemed to be playing. High-pitched buzzing, and I think there were some voice sounds from Princess Zelda? I was very certain the game was just going to freeze, but it didn't. Instead, a dialogue box opened, and the girl said the following. He's not moving anymore. Hey, what? Are you sad? Happy? I really can't tell. Looks like you're coming around. That's an unpleasant mask. Goodbye. And the dialogue box closed. I heard a strange, high-pitched sound effect as the girl's model began to shake in place. I ran. I left Kokiri Forest. This would have been a very, very good time to turn off the game. From this point on, the game became less and less stable. Doors and transitions between areas no longer went to the proper place. I believe upon leaving Kokiri Forest, I immediately appeared in the graveyard. That kid was there, in the same arms-out position. Talking to him made him say the same thing he always says, but only once. After that, he ceased to be targetable. 
I won't summarize the next half hour, partly because I don't remember it all, and partly because it was a lot of the same stuff. Nearly every NPC I encountered was in that arms-out position. Those that weren't still usually frozen in place, facing the wrong way, or doing something else out of the ordinary. Enemies were either non-existent, failing to spawn, I guess, or similarly frozen. I encountered some tech techs frozen in midair on Death Mountain, which damaged me when I touched them, but I couldn't hurt them myself. As time went on, the game just started falling apart. Whole textures, or polygons, would just be missing. Sound effects would play a few seconds after they were supposed to, pre-rendered backgrounds failed to appear entirely, and finally I was left in a black void. Well, not really. I was in a black void, but the location said marketplace. Apparently all of the textures and pre-rendered backgrounds had failed to load. No music, no sounds other than my footsteps. The marketplace NPCs were there, strangely not with their arms out, as I'd come to expect. They were animated normally, and they could be spoken to. However, they all said the same thing, after which they would stop moving. Please, look out for the princess. After talking to this last NPC, the re-dead screams down started playing. The model of the girl with red hair appeared, somewhere out in the void. Without animating, all the townspeople in unison turned to look at her. I think I lost control of Link at this point. The last thing I remember was him turning towards her with, with the other townsfolk. He may have started to walk towards her, too. He let out a scream like he was being hurt. This was a very, very good time to turn off the game. And I did. And that was that. I didn't play Ocarina of Time for a month. When I switched it back on, there was no hint of oddness. Were this a simple ghost story, this is where it would end. My one brush with the paranormal. Sadly, this was far from the end. This was only my first experience with an entity we know as the princess. As for who we are, I'll get to that next time. Oh, and needless to say, there's no scrapped model of a girl with red hair and a white dress anywhere in the Code of Ocarina of Time. Second Lieutenant James Pike, Canadian Expeditionary Force, just outside of Laos, France. I've been shot down, and this journal may be the last anyone hears of me. As such, my first entry is most important. Should you read this, Jenny? I love you. Please take care of our little one, and pass on my love when he or she enters this world. You are ever in my thoughts, and in my heart. Even now. The Germans saw me go down and are looking for me. I can hear them. There's a fog draped like a veil over the valley in the distance. Perhaps it can obscure me and hide me from hostile eyes. There's something strange about it, though. Something I can't put my finger on. Still, I go.
The moon has risen over the forested valley that I find myself in. The fog is a constant companion, both reassuring and terrifying, as it confuses the germ of pursuit but also hides something else that I see out of the corner of my eye. I've heard strange things from troops returning from the trenches at the front. Things too fantastical, too terrible to be real, ever since that bright flash of light at the Somme. And I cannot shake the sense that something is here with the Germans and I. The Germans are getting closer, and I feel that I'm losing this game of cats and mouse. I may not be here much longer, my love. I hear the crack of a twig, footsteps in the underbrush, and I know that the hunters are nearly upon me. I'd found an abandoned farmhouse, but I didn't go inside. I'd hoped that the Germans would be distracted and I could make my escape, but they only sent a pair in to take a cursory look. Damn their cleverness. I made my way out into what appeared to be a farmer's field. And that's when I glimpsed her for the first time. This strange woman who was always just in the corner of my eye. Strange and beautiful in a wedding dress. But the wedding dress seemed tattered and dirty. She appeared now to be looking toward the farmhouse where the German soldiers were sitting having cigarettes, laughing. They were toying with me. I turned to looking into the woman in the wedding dress, but she was gone. There's no way that she could have disappeared so quickly without my noticing. She was just gone. Maybe those stories about demons and the rising dead and the ghosts that I'd heard from the front were true. And I'm in the middle of one of those stories right now. May God help me. temperatures dropped, and I can see my breath even though it's in the middle of July instead of the dead of winter. I can hear the German soldiers starting to scream. I hear a high-pitched screeching wail that threatens to steal my soul. I've heard stories of this from the Irish troops. Banshee. I looked down as the Germans had started to fire wildly. It appears I've, I've taken a wound. It doesn't look good. The skeletal ghost of the bride. She's coming for me now. I can't run. 
still wounded. But she's gentle. She leads me to where her body is. Ravaged by the Germans. She just wants to be buried with her love. Like me. I feel her hand on my shoulder now. Captain Donovan Bell, His Majesty's Preternatural Intelligence Task Force. After recovering the diary of one second Lieutenant James Pike of the Canadian Expeditionary Force, my team was able to put the lady's body and soul to rest next to that of her love. I've sent his body home, given him status as an investigator in my unit, awarded him the Special Service Cross, and entered him into our roles in perpetuity. Rest easy, Lieutenant. We'll look after them. And report. <laughs>